What's going on, people? Welcome back to the podcast, Authentically Us. You know, where we dive into what it means to be authentic in life. Hey, I'm your host, Conroy Smith, and this is my friend, Tony Morton. Yo, yo. And you know, we know we jumped into this podcast just to kind of talk, talk about what it's like to be authentic and have authentic conversations in every aspect of our life. And today, we have a, a special one. Man. A special one um, to dive into some some deep topics um, with, with blackness and white evangelical. How do you say it, Tony? White, e- <laughs> What's the word? white evangelicalism. Yes, yes, that word. Um, <laughs> so we have one of my my good friends, uh, Pastor Anthony, on. So hey, stay tuned. Like, let let them know, Tony. Let them know what they're in for. I mean, every episode when we have a guest, we say lean in. I'm telling you, you want to lean in. You and I'm biased. Conroy is biased. We realize that. <laughs> Take a listen and then rate us. We're gonna. We're yeah. He's talking about the Michael Jackson lean, like the the lean. The, the Kyrie Irving lean like all these <laughs> leans you know so lean in tune in hey oh man you might have to go back in good. and watch it over yes it's a good one let's get into it let's get it y'all you are in for a good one today we have a special guest and this special guest is a musician. He is a servant. He's a mentor, husband, a father, and not to mention, he is a huge Phoenix Suns fan. Um, so his heart is hurting. His heart is hurting these days. Um, he's a pastor at Collective. We have Pastor Anthony on the podcast today. Pastor Anthony, we're so excited for you to be with us today. Man, I am so happy to be with you. And yes, my heart is deeply hurt. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be like that for a minute. It, it, it might it might be uh, broken for quite a while. So y'all just keep me lifted in prayer. And, uh, <laughs> we got you. We got you, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, today um, is going to be a, a great podcast. Um, just based on the topic that we're covering today, we're talking about blackness and white evangelicalism in the church and you know you get all of us are our brothers at heart and in person and in real life so we've been in a lot of spaces we've been in churches um so I, we just kind of wanted to jump straight in pastor anthony and i wanted to talk about Let's um, do it. what types of churches have you um, been a part of or even pastored at well um you know being born and raised here in san diego um I grew up in a predominantly black um, Pentecostal church space um, uh, out of the denomination Church of God in Christ. If you've ever heard of that denomination, Kojic. Um, that's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Kojic <laughs> baby. I spent uh, the first, you know, twenty some odd years of my life um, in in Kojic spaces. Um, so um, that would probably be the foundational aspect of of my church experience um it wasn't until i met my girlfriend at the time my now wife uh lindsay when i would say i encountered some more uh predominantly white or white cultured or white evangelical church spaces 
Um, so I would say it wasn't until then, um, spent some time in Houston where I um, uh, was doing some um, church work down there with my wife, Lindsay, and then also in Michigan, um, where we were also at a church base up there in Western Michigan in a small town called Holland, Michigan. If you don't know where it is, that's okay, because I didn't either. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, which is also a predominantly white, uh, conservative, very traditional. It's like the, one of the epicenters of the reformed church. So oh, wow. um, you, can, you can imagine it wow. being very, very traditional. Um, and the church that we went to up there was pretty progressive for the area. Um, mm -hmm but um, also had some deep ties um, relationally, maybe even doctrinally uh, to the Reformed Church. Um, so being a Black person in that space uh, was a little interesting. Mm -hmm. um, being a uh, pastoring started back when I was 17. Isn't that crazy? Uh, wow. I'm, 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 30, I'm 38 now. I'll be turning 39 this year. And yeah, I started pastoring when I was 17. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about black churches. If if you if you talented and you you gifted and you quote unquote air quotes anointed, uh, they'll 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 put yeah. you up. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, elevated so, quickly. So I got I got put up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to to uh, but it, it taught me a lot of good things. So I would say, um, that was the basis of my um, um pastoralship uh there. Um, and then obviously that morphed and shifted throughout the years into more uh, white evangelical church spaces um, in Houston and in Michigan. And now even back here in San Diego, I pastor a church, um, which I think we deeply and intentionally divest from white evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think, uh, to be completely honest, we, there is a ton of elements of our church that would still subscribe to that narrative. Wow, that's crazy. So you you talked about being uh, thrown into uh, pastoral ministry at an mm. early age. What did seminary look like for you? Did you go or did you just uh, kind of progress on your own? So formal, formal ministerial training took place way, way later. Um, uh, you know, we had different like schools of ministry and things like that, that you would go to um, different minister training classes and seminars and things like that, that, that you would go to. But um, actual formal seminary wasn't until much later. Um, um, and this is kind of where me and Conroy share an affinity. Uh, I, I was at Liberty University. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so that that's where some of that training took place. Okay. Nice. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, I grew up in a predominantly black church. Um, AME Zion. John All Wesley, right AME Zion. In, All right. In, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. And... You know, you know we that's would go the oldest denomination. It's still old. Um, if I would go back home this Sunday, I would probably have to preach or do announcements or welcome or something. Just that's just kind of how it is. And growing Absolutely. up in the, in that church and then going in high school, a bunch of our friends, Tony actually came as well. We started going to a Presbyterian youth group. Okay. Um, which is, is, is very, very conservative, very traditional mm. and very white. 
but the reason why we went is because all of our friends went um it had nothing to do with denomination what they were teaching it was just because all of our friends went Um, and then and then going to liberty in a very i look back at liberty and it was a great experience because i got to encounter um more diversity diversity in in classes in the track team you know Mm -hmm. um however all these spaces were very 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 different and i think for me the the hardest thing was the music um Mm -hmm. and like you go you go from like black church where we're singing hymns um also kurt franklin and and kind of going back and forth in that and then i go to you know this white presbyterian church and i'm like what are these songs (laughs) right right. never heard these songs before and then i go to liberty and i'm like a concert every monday wednesday friday at convocation (laughs) so um did you have any of those experiences um kind of through your journey through the the different churches and experiences you've been a part of yeah um you know growing up in a black pentecostal church you know it's a it's a vibe to itself so coming out of that was extremely jarring um my first experiences with um any kind of white um dominated space um church space uh would be when i was playing with my uh wife who was a worship leader she would you know do guest spots at different churches and things like that um so going to play with her playing the drums or playing the keys and, uh, you know, just being this black Kojic kid, you know, imagine, you know, wanting to throw every chord <laughs> you knew into to a Hillsong uh, yeah. song. Uh, you, you get a lot of interesting faces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, you know, that was very interesting to, to mm. navigate, especially early. I mean, this is like, you know, mid-20-ish, you know, um, you know, trying to navigate like, okay, why am I, you know, why do I feel like out of place? but also mm. kind of embracing some of what that culture meant. Um, you know, coming out of black church into a white, uh, white church, um, there's a lot of cultural differences and some of those aren't all bad, you know, like having yeah. shorter services, yeah. you know, I was like, I was, I was down with that. I was like, yeah, y'all, right? y'all, y'all done? Like, one hour? What do you mean one I, hour? <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, man, we, we was just getting warmed up if we was at the home church. Um, but uh you know stuff like that and um things like coffee at church or you know like snacks and things like that and a green room i didn't know what a green room was until <laughs> i had went to a more white culture church um stuff like that um you know that i learned to embrace um so i definitely think there were things in there that i was like wow this is really cool um, especially mm-hmm. being younger, um, that now maybe have a different, uh, I have a different view of that, you know, yeah. kind of in retrospect, but definitely at the time, you know, that was awesome. You know, yeah. I, the, the other thing that, that sh- was very a culture shock, you know, going from black church to a predominantly white space was the way people dress. Mm-hmm. I, you know, black churches, at least back when I was going to, when I was going to a black church in high school and stuff, you, you, we dress up every Sunday and yeah. then I go to this, you know, Presbyterian church and they're wearing, uh, you know, cargo shorts and a polo. And I was like, what? Y'all, <laughs> what is- y- y'all must not love the Lord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> y'all not getting dressed up for him. <laughs> but it goes back to those things that, you know, going into these white spaces, I think it's, it's, 
it's it is good it is good you know you don't have to <laughs> tarry at 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 god and, and scream at god and, and be in church for four hours and you also don't have to dress a certain way just to for god to hear you so i i, I agree Absolutely. i think um i did learn a lot um just from going to these spaces i learned Honestly, I feel like, and maybe you can you can speak a little bit onto this too. Sometimes I feel like at least black churches that I've been a part of was a show. You know, you, mm-hmm. you put on a show for it to look a certain way. Everybody is, you know, speaking in tongues. Everybody has a word. Um, mm-hmm. And then you see them on a Tuesday afternoon and you're like, oh, that's, that's not who I saw you on Sunday. But then kind of going into these, these different churches, different spaces, I see the day-to-day. I see the consistency. I, I see that, like, you don't have to, you know, be super spiritual on Sunday. And then, like, I see your consistency Monday through Sunday. And yeah. um, how, were, the, were those any things that you experienced kind of being in both of those spaces? Yeah, um, I think there is – I think there's a performativeness to both um mm, yeah that's true but i think i think what um what you, you what you're kind of talking about and and what i've actually experienced as well is is that you, you you just feel like there's times within the service where where we could get out the way but mm. we wouldn't <laughs> um because yeah, there was yeah. maybe something that was more important to the pastor or the the choir director or whoever um there was something more important to them that needed to be done and um you know there is definitely a a reverence there in black churches but yeah there is definitely a performative aspect um that uh, i think a lot of us younger well at the time we're younger black kids were not really cool with like we could have done without all of that yeah. Like, you know, we love to play the music. We love, you know, all of the, you know, the high spiritedness of it, the charisma. It was all, it was also wonderful. It was almost kind of magical. Um, but a lot of the other extras, that's what I call it. It, it was just so unnecessary. It was really unnecessary. And maybe the, you know, white space church, um, white churches um, don't necessarily have those fluff moments or have those moments of extraness. Yeah. I definitely do feel there is some aspect of performativeness um, in the, that realm as mm-hmm. well. It just doesn't show up the same way it showed up in black spaces. So I think going from a black space to a more white, predominantly white church space, um, in, in a lot of ways, it, it was a breath of fresh air. Like, okay, we don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and so my story is kind of uh, different. Um, my first experience to church was this Presbyterian church youth group. And so, you know, most of my walk with the Lord, I've been in white evangelical spaces. And so, you know, I've definitely seen a performative side of, I feel like, uh, white churches are performative based on how many programs they have. Mm. Um, and so it may not fully come out on a Sunday morning, but it definitely comes out and look at 
all the stuff we have for people to get plugged in, people to serve in. Uh, serve in and it's like, okay, that's great, but do you actually know your people? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we're if we're more concerned about programs over people, we're we're not doing gospel work. Absolutely, yeah. yeah that is um, that that is something that is maybe quite unique. Um, maybe it 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 it's the the aspect of consumerism that mm. that kind of engulfs a lot of a lot of mainstream white evangelical spaces. Um, it, 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 it's almost, and there was, uh, not to say that there wasn't competition in black churches and there still isn't competition in black churches. They're absolutely, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're competing for members or competing for viewership. Now, you know, that a lot of churches are doing online ministry and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, just kind of to speak to what you were saying, it was like, there is also a very consumeristic ideology to, um, white spaces are saying, yeah, come to us, look at, look at this. We have yeah. this, we have that, we have this, we have that for you. Yep. That coffee, that coffee changed the game for me. <laughs> Bro, right? <laughs> I, we went to, we were playing at a church in North County, San Diego, and they had a baker come and have like home-baked goods that like she made homemade Oreos. Yes, I'm coming homemade. on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, right? like like I love the I'm double a, stuff. Yo, like, that'd be double it was, stuff. It was <laughs> the most delicious thing ever. I was like, yeah, I'll be here every Sunday. If she keeps bringing the homemade Oreos, heck yeah. Like, One time. I'll Actually, I'll come right. early. <laughs> like, of course I will be there. Um, so in your opinion, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about back and forth, but I, I did want to kind of touch on like where do you think the American church has got it right especially recently where do, where do you think we mm-hmm. the american church has got it right um i would say probably one of the great strengths of churches in america is our and it kind of feeds in uh, it, it there's a delicate dance where it does feed into maybe some consumeristic mindset but i think that the church at its best is local and the church is contextual at its at its best. When we yeah. serve a certain context, serve yeah. a certain people, it's at its best. Yeah. Um, and I think here in America, that is um, something that is readily available to anyone in any city across the country is that you can go to a church in your neighborhood or in your context or your space of life that will help you that will lead you that will heal you and guide you in some way and i think that's something that's very special that maybe um isn't so readily accessible in other countries or in other church contexts outside of america Mm -hmm. Um, they may not have that um that diversification or variety of church contexts um that allows us that we that we're allowed to have yeah that's really good yeah, so good. Um, you've you touched on this a little bit, uh, but as a pastor in a multicultural city, mm-hmm. tell us more about how you've seen white evangelicalism in your church or churches in your community. 
Yeah. So one of the great um, one of the great blessings of San Diego is that the city is not just diverse. It is also fairly integrated as well. Um, there's a lot of cities in America that are diverse, but are still somewhat segregated. You can look at like maybe cities like Chicago, where there's there's a very some very identifying markers of the city that identify different ethnicities and groups. Where here in San Diego, um, uh, as a whole, maybe in certain pockets, but as a whole, we're pretty integrated. So growing up here. Um, you, there's there's certain ways that you can live your life where diversity is just kind of ingrained into the fabric of who you are. Um, I would definitely say that's true of of my experience, um, and I think that that lends itself to having a very having multiple churches in San Diego, including ours, um, that are very multi ethnic. Mm-hmm. I think where where there may be some, I, I would say, concern or rub is that um, even though there are a lot of churches that are multi-ethnic, um, there is not a lot of churches that are multicultural, meaning they only have one culture. And that one culture is white evangelical, you know, Western civilization, you know, white evangelical church. That, that's the only culture that's represented. So no matter if you're black, Mexican or Asian or whatever, in order to be in those spaces, there's a certain level of denial of who you are um, in order for you to fit completely mm-hmm. into the, the life of that church. Yeah. You can't fully express the fullness of who you are um, and, and, and feel free and feel accepted and embraced. And I think um, that's one thing that we really try hard at is not to just be multi-ethnic at the church I pastor, but to also be multicultural, that no matter what cultural background, traditional um, setting you were brought up in, that some way it's represented here in the message, Mm. in the music, in the way we, uh, the way we embrace each other, the language we use, the the way we, uh, the way we, we embrace each other, I hope that multi, it represents multiple cultures. So we're yeah. not just accepting of your skin, but we're also accepting of your life. Ooh, so I, I, I think I think that's something that, you know, I would like to see more churches progress past is this ideal that, oh, we're multicultural. It's like, no, you're multi-ethnic. Mm. You have one culture. And we need to get to a place where you're more accepting of other cultures within yeah. your uh, your singular space. Yeah. So, um, talk to us about what is a multi-ethnic church, and like go more in depth in that because I feel like there's kind of like this trendy uh, mm-hmm. thing going on of like. We want to be multi-ethnic. We want to be multicultural. And we have so many definitions. So mm-hmm. when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah. Kind of sounds easier said than done. It's very trendy. Like you're, it, is trendy. it is. It is super trendy. Most churches uh, would say that they're trying to be multi-ethnic, uh, multi-ethical or ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational. 
those are those are three aspects of life um and each one of them contains some form of of identity and a personality um when you're saying in in my estimation when you're saying you're multi-ethnic it really is having a collection of people from different ethnicities different nationalities races um, that come together under some kind of singularity um, some kind of unifying factor um, uh, that does not mean that you are multicultural in this aspect that there are a lot of church spaces that are not predominantly white but subscribe to white evangelicalism there are a lot of black churches that subscribe to white evangelicalism. There are a lot of Mexican churches, Asian churches, Samoan, Korean, go on down the list that subscribe to white evangelicalism. So it, it, it so when you talk about having multiple cultures, that that is really, really saying that we have identified um, that people within our church community live, exist, breathe, move in different ways. And we don't want to suppress any of that for them to be able to be embraced here. We want them to truly feel like when they walk in the door that maybe they don't, maybe they don't get to hear their music all the time, but they do get to hear it. They don't yeah. get to hear their style of preaching all the time, but they do get to hear it. Yes. The words, the language that we use is familiar to them that that the slang we use is 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 familiar to them um these are cultural pieces that um oftentimes churches neglect because they become so entrenched around developing one kind of culture which works in a business model mm. because you want mm -hmm. you want a culture <laughs> you want you want all of the cogs well oiled moving in one direction yeah um, yeah because um, wow. that drives productivity, which drives revenue. Um, so you want that in a business. But when we're talking about wow. church, church should not be predicated on productivity. It shouldn't be pro uh, um, pre honestly to be to be truthful with you, and not to get super biblical, but church should not even be predicated on effectiveness. Jesus, if he wanted to be effective, he would have did his ministry by himself. Like the disciples slowed <laughs> him down. Come on, Pastor, take us to they, church. They they slowed him down. They 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 because they would ask questions because they would make wrong moves. They would say the wrong thing. They would make the wrong practice. They would they would cause Jesus to have to fix. Jesus had to always fix their messes. Yeah. So it was it was it was hard for him to 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 be able to do this. But again, the goal was not to have this super impactful. Look at all the wonderful things that we've done. The goal was to teach twelve people. How to live into a new way and and i think when when we when we sacrifice that for quote unquote impact and productivity we're, we're moving away from uh multiculturalism into a singular culture um because mm. jesus was very broad dealing with samaritans dealing with this group of jews dealing with that group of jews dealing with this group and he was very wise in how he dealt with them and he was very embracing in how he dealt with them um and it wasn't easy and it wasn't mm -hmm. fast and it wasn't efficient it was slow it was messy and that's what we're called to um that's true multiculturalism wow. and i think that wow. that is is something that is 
may be lacking in in church spaces. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you you, th- you think about like you hear this thing about how the the, the church is this machine like especially large Mm. churches they talk about how it becomes a Mm. machine and exactly Mm. how you said it does get down at that point when you're that big of a of a church of a congregation nothing against large churches i actually like them yeah um it's like it does turn into this machine it does turn into kind of a number game like how effective is this ministry how effective are your leaders like how can we get more leaders? But then you think about the life of Jesus, like you hit it right on the money. It's like, if he wanted to be effective, he would have went alone. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I think about that, you know, as a leader in a church myself, it's like, it's like, yes, I can do all these things. You know, you, you know, growing up in a black church where you end up being the sound guy who also plays keys, who also does right. announcements and then <laughs> who, who preaches on the, th- on the third Sunday. And it's like, you become this one man band and it's like, yes, because I know I can do it better than everybody else. However, we are called to, to make disciples. We are called in to, to have relationship with people. So Mm -hmm. I I think about those things, um, especially as you, as you were mentioning that I'm like, wow, because the church does essentially turn into like a business and for sure. We're not called. Yeah. To, we're not called to be businessmen. Yeah. Well, essentially, we're in sales. We're in sales. We're not. We're not. We're not the management. But it, it, it's cool because we are trying to get people to come to know Jesus. However, the church is not meant to be a business. Like ran yeah. like a business. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's 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 really interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was saying, you know, like you were saying, big churches aren't bad. Um there's a lot of people that have found community and found deep life and meaning and healing in, in those spaces. And that's uh, all to the glory of God. Um, I think when we just talk about in terms of model, there's just, there's no way to grow to that scale without operating with um, effective business principles. And there's just, there's so much tension between being an effective business and being a manager and steward of relationship that just do not go together. It's like water and oil sometimes. Mm. And it feels like sometimes instead of being willing to sacrifice the efficiency and the productivity, we're willing to sacrifice the relationships. And, and that, that's, that's the part that feels a little, little icky. Yeah. Well, so we've, we've talked about white evangelicalism a lot for our listeners that may not understand what we mean. What do we mean by white evangelicalism? Maybe a working definition um, is that a whiteness um, is not a race. um, It's a culture. Uh, Whiteness is a uh, an ideology. Um, white evangelicalism is a a methodology of approaching the practice of Christianity. Um, it's it's a thought towards it. It's a you know a way of a way of doing it. So when we talk about white evangelicalism, it is a method of practicing Christianity that holds certain tenets, holds certain principles, holds certain things in light. Um, of 
you know, the things that are important. Um, I, uh, I may not be the best person uh, to, to, to talk about those things um, because I've definitely been jaded over the last couple of years about what evangelicalism, <laughs> about what evangelicalism is. Um, um, but I, I feel like at its root, um, it, is a, it is an approach towards uh, practicing Christianity that puts a high premium on uh, missionality, um, puts a high premium on the spread of the gospel, um, puts a high premium on the impact of the gospel, say baptism, salvation, things of that nature, um, and uh, puts a high premium on um, the amounts of people that are connected within um, those spaces doing those things. So um, uh, I definitely think there's more of a bend in evangelicalism towards impact. Um, and I think that's why the practices look the way they look. This is why I think it's so important that we baptize the most amount of people, we save the most amount of people, we have the most amount of people in our seats, we have the most amount of people doing this and doing that. We have the most amount of people in small groups, the most amount of people, you know, serving and things like that, because it feeds into the core principles and tenets of what evangelicalism is, is that it's, it's quantity sometimes over quality. Over quality. Yeah. 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 And are you, re are you yeah. referring to that over like, um, like Western culture over like, you know, churches in, you know, the Middle East who are, are fighting for their lives. Like, is that, is that kind of what you're kind of comparing it to? Or does our, our Western culture compared to the Bible? <laughs> uh, well, Western culture compared to the Bible is like uh, day and night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I think Western culture, Christianity in comparison to maybe Eastern culture, mm. Christianity, or maybe an African version, South American version, yeah. Asian version. Christianity. So there are a lot of churches around the world that subscribe to white evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. You look at Hillsong. Hillsong is a white evangelical That's church true. that is all Australia. over the world. Yeah, it's all over and, you know, um, so so um, it's not necessarily a geographical thing more than it is a practice thing, a cultural yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. um, so there are so when we're comparing it, the comparison would be maybe like the Eastern cultured um, church where there's emphasis in different areas yeah um, the, the priorities are different well you mentioned that you you got a little jaded you know mm -hmm. about about this these past couple of years and you know we've gone the church in general just in two years has gone through the ringer and some churches sure. have risen from the ashes you know <laughs> saying things and other churches have fallen to the wayside um so what, what are some of the things that that you have experienced these last two years, you know, with, you know, COVID, with a pandemic, with a, a racial unjust, these these shootings that, that are happening? Like, sure. what what have you experienced that has has jaded kind of that that term? Because it, it, it does sound very aggressive when you hear it. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, what are what are some things that you would you would say that has jaded that? Yeah, Um it might have even started back in 2016, but I think definitely for sure 2020 became a very definitive line in the sand. Mm. Um, and I think uh, maybe 
again, I think we were always headed on this course, but I definitely think the events of 2020 and beyond kind of accelerated all of that. Yeah. It kind of just, it, it brought us to a fork in the road yep. um, where yep. people had to decide, are you going to go left or right? And um, I think to see the amount of people that I was closely connected to that chose to go in a way that was like directly in opposition to my blackness that was directly in opposition to what i feel the gospel the tenets of the gospel are um that were in direct opposition to those things and it, it, it just became very clear that it's like we can't be in community if you feel this way or if you are subscribing to this thought process or this ideology. Um, And it was hard. It was really hard. Um, Friendships, um, peer, you know, relationships with other pastors and other groups that um, I felt like this is a strong relationship. I I looked up and those relationships were gone um, because, you know, I had chosen maybe the route of really really embracing you know social justice as a core tenet of the gospel and mm-hmm. embracing um community and togetherness and unity um over anything else um there were some others that chose a different route and mm-hmm. it's like well we can't we can't really be in community so i think that was really hard and it really caused me and my wife um and honestly our church and a lot of our leaders to really take a deep look at ourselves and yeah. say, what do we actually believe? Mm. And why do we actually believe it? What mm-hmm. is telling us that yep. this is true? And um, just having a lot of conversations and a lot of prayer, a lot of tears, a lot of just relationships that fell apart and that you, you know, you were like, wow, I, I felt like this was going to be strong. Um, it, it really took a heavy toll. And I think even to some extent, I'm still processing that yeah um because we're i don't feel like we're on the other side of that um so um and you know it really took a heavy toll um to, to kind of process where the church where a large portion i won't say all the church where a large portion of the church decided to pivot from that um mm-hmm. into things that i feel are completely antithetical um to the gospel yeah wow that's so good so so we talked about white evangelicalism. We we now know why you're jaded, and I feel like Kamara and I and many others can relate. Yeah. How can we as Christians practically and faithfully call mm-hmm. out white evangelicalism? I think it's I think it's important um, to know that you're calling, you're calling out a, a system, you're calling out um, a culture. Um, if we were, if we were Pentecostal, we would say a principality. <laughs> uh, if we were in a black church, you're, you're, you're not, because I think that's, I think that's a, it's a, it's a, a good place to start because when you start attacking people, that that that's where I feel like we start to go in a wrong direction because yeah. this isn't a it, it directly affects people but it's the system that we've created that is affecting people and in order for us to 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 maybe right the ship or to um, to figure out a, a different way forward 
it's, it's important to call out what are those underlying factors that cause these actions, that cause yeah. this belief system, yeah. that cause people to feel like they have to be drawn to this way rather than that way. And I think that the faithfulness lies in a couple of things. How well do you know yourself? How well do you know, um, how, how much time are you spending with God in relationship to who you are not who you project to be, mm. not who others desire you to be, but who you actually are. Yeah. Um, how how faithful are you to that to that practice? Because mm. um, the faith, the more faithful you can get to the practice of being who you create, who were created to be, I think the more that you can see the ways that evil is trying to tear that away from people, and that it wow. becomes easier to to be able to say that's not right or this isn't the way it should be. Um, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I'm trying to see if there's a nice way to say this, probably not. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, what um, a lot of church, white evangelical church spaces are trying to do is trying to separate your body, separate your identity from from God and place it in something else. And mm, that's, yes. that's so, that's so dangerous yes. when you start to separate your body from yourself, start separating your judgment from yourself, stop yeah. separating your autonomy from yourself. All of these things that are God given, all of these things that are God blessed and endorsed that are getting stripped away from people so that they can take on this new form of living that is totally void of humanity. Yeah. It, it, it's the only way I call it mental gymnastics. It's the only way that you can believe the things that you believe is that if you are, if you have stripped yourself, stripped others of humanity. So mm. really a, a faithful practice in calling out, um, you know, these, these different practices is putting humanity back in your body, putting mm. humanity mm. back in others. Wow. How human, how human are you treating yourself? How human are you treating others? Um, how connected do you see yourself with others? Yeah. Because it's easy to hate somebody that you're not connected to. Wow. It's hard to yes. hate, it's hard to hate somebody that you're in relationship with. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So it, you know. So instead of creating this other um, group or these outside groups, how how are you seeing humanity tethered together the way that we were actually created to be? Um, cause then these are the, these are the things that makes it easier to recognize when we're not being tethered together, when we're mm. not being finely knit in the, the fabric that God has placed us all in. Um, it, it becomes a little easier to, to recognize those, those things and call them out. Wow. Wow. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to pivot a little bit and kind of get a little bit more personal. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit about, you know, becoming aware of who you are um mm. you know tony and i are are still young adults i'll say we're still young adults yeah yeah um, good. <laughs> and but you, you're you're a pastor you're married you ha you have kids like mm. what was your like what was i mean i'm probably sure i'm sure you're probably still going through it but like what was your moment was there a defining moment when you kind of came to yourself and you're like this is who i'm going to unapologetically be like this is why i'm authentically going to be um 
whether that's I'm at church, whether I'm at my work, whether I'm at the mm -hmm. coffee shop, like, was there a moment where you're like, no, I don't have to play this, this side of Anthony or, or this side, like I'm going to be, I'm gonna be me. Yeah. Um, well, I can definitely say that I'm still working through that. I think there's some days where the imposter syndrome shows up a little bit more than others. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. But I think, you know, this kind of goes back to maybe me and my wife's time in, in Michigan, being in a very predominantly white church in a predominantly white area, we were kind of against our, our will. We were kind of thrust into protecting our blackness, um, where... In San Diego, we never felt the need to do that because yeah. of the diversity that we were around and the acceptance that we felt in the circles that we had. We never felt like it was necessary for us to have to do that. But coming into the spaces um, that we were in in Michigan, we, we felt like it was so necessary. So I, we found ourselves a lot of times advocating and, and calling out you know, these different things and, and, and having these uncomfortable conversations um, which really un crazily became the prelude to what was going to be 2016 and beyond and more notably 2020, where I think um, we, I know I just kind of made this decision that like, you know, I, you know, God loves my blackness. <laughs> he loves yes. all of it. I yes. don't have to hide it. I don't have to protect yeah. it. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to rationalize it mm. in the eyes of anyone. Wow. And yeah. it's not just my blackness, it's everyone that is black, every African American in America, and and all the different varieties and subcultures and, and things that that represents. He loves all of that. Yeah. And even when all of the hatred towards um, the Asian Americans was happening as well in 2020, 2021, and even this year, um, it became it became that too. He loves all of that too. He loves all of this. So there's no need to 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 deny or to make small. I think that's one of the things that I am fiercely guarding against is becoming small. Is like no, I mm. need to take up all of the spaces that God has placed me in. Yes. It is come on. It is come it on. is dis, it is disingenuous to what God has put inside of me and what God has called me to, to shrink in the mm. spaces that he designed for me. That would be mm. like Adam saying, I don't want to name the animals, God. It seems like too much. Oh, that would be like, you know, like, no, God is like, I created this place for you to do this thing. This is, this is your task. This is where you find your humanity. This is where you find me. And it's like, if you start shying away from my, your blackness, you won't see me in your blackness. And, and there I am in your blackness, in wow. all of it. Um, and so, so it just became this, this thing where I was like, you know what, I, I got to show up and I got to show up and be Anthony. And, and it's not easy. And there's days where it's harder to do that than others. Um, but uh, it, it's a conscious decision of saying, I am going to choose to show up regardless of the circle regardless of the people mm. it I, i'm just going to show up as myself because that's the strength that i carry i almost feel like sometimes it's gideon where uh gideon was this timid dude that was hiding in the threshing um of uh, the threshing floor area and the angel said you're a mighty warrior and and he was like 
he was like, like, look, why am I so mighty? I'm here hiding from the Midianites. Like, what's what's the deal? You know, and the angel said, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, go in the strength, go in that strength. Mm-hmm. You know, that timid you, that 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 afraid you, that's your suit. That's that's your power. Wow. Go operate in that. Wow. When you shy away from your imperfections, when you shy away from your insecurities and your weaknesses, when you shy away from your identifying markers, your God-given identifying markers, you're not operating in the strength that God gave you. I want to wow. operate in that strength because that's where my grace is. That's where my peace is. That's where my rest is. That's where my blessing is. It's in me being me. Mm. So that, that's a hard lesson, though. You know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I get this right all the time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But I know that I'm trying every single day, waking up and saying, who is Anthony and how do I be that everywhere that I go? Man. Wow. I think right now, everybody lift your hands. We're going to take an offering. <laughs> yeah, right. What's your uh, Venmo handle? Cash app? Come on. Yeah. Um, Man. So a question I have for you, how do you respond to people that encourage a colorblind rhetoric? Mm. You know, I, I feel like, and as um, you know, I kind of study from people that are much older and much wiser than me. It was really birthed um, maybe the generation before us um, that it was, it was just safer to operate like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the truth is, is that there is nothing safe about the gospel. <laughs> there is nothing safe about what we're called to do. And some of the, 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 the beauty of what we are called to is to sit in difference and sit in things that are not alike and say, I like that. I embrace that. I love that. I want that for you and for myself. So really the, the nicest way I can say this is colorblindness is 100% antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus has never called for us to to deny any of who we are to make anyone else comfortable. That is that is not anything yeah. that the gospel promotes yeah. or the Bible promotes. Um, so so the whole color blindness thing is just to me a, a thinly veiled attack on on a part of who you are that makes you in the image of God. Yes. My blackness is in the image of god and if you're telling me that you can't see my blackness then you are denying something that god has said is very good not just good he looked at it and he said that it's very good he said my image my likeness in this person is very good and if you're telling me that you can't see that then you are not giving me the total due that i am just um in my humanity yep and I think yep. that we need to get beyond these fake platitudes and pleasantries and these, these PC things to say. And we need to say, you are different. And I like that. And I value yes. that. And yes. I embrace that. I yep. need that difference in my life because it is yes. those differences. It is those unique factors that you have that I don't have that make me and make my human experience more complete. Without that, yep. I do not get to see the fullness of god 
And I think that's one thing that we we have to really understand is that without the the multitude of pieces, the many pieces, one body, without the multitude of pieces, we don't get to see the complete picture of who God is in this Mm -hmm. earth. He made us different on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's almost like the it's almost like where where God was at the Tower of Babel, where he's like, wait a second, they're all speaking the same language, they're all trying to do the same thing. I need to break them up because I need them to see the beauty of difference, not the beauty of 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 sameness. Not mm. to say that oneness isn't important because it absolutely is. Thank you, Dr. Tony Evans. Oneness is very important, but oneness is not sameness. Yes. And we need to get away from uniform or conformity and get more towards the beauty of diversity, unity in diversity, understanding yeah. that there is something in you that I need and there's something in me that you need. Mm-hmm. And if we accentuate and appreciate and embrace all of it, then we get all of it. Man. Yeah. Tony. I'll oh, go ahead, Tony. I, I was just going to say, I feel like. Because I, I've kind of been storing over this for the past two weeks because um, I was at my church two weeks ago and, you know, some joke was made and I said, hey, and I'm a little darker than that guy. And um, he said, I don't see that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> time out. Like, and, and I think... I think white people will use that so often because they don't want to be seen as racist, but there's a difference between skin color and race. God mm. did not create race, but he, he created our skin colors. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And to, and to, to act like you don't see it really is a cop out. Um, and, and it just, it, it is really an outright denial of, the totality of who somebody is yeah it's it's like choosing to remove a quality of someone um that really is a heavy identifying marker my skin is my skin yeah and and i the more i become comfortable with it and the more that you value it the better our world becomes the better Mm. our communities become and and it's just something that needs to be relearned tony i just want to i just want to apologize first of all because pastor anthony was doing these things called gentle reminders all throughout the pandemic and he would (laughs) give these these little powerful messages in like 21 minutes on instagram live and then peace out and it would just make your day so i'm sorry i didn't send them to you are you a friend are you a friend i apologize right right now i just want i just want more of uh, Pastor Anthony, I'm like, <laughs> I'm over here feeling so edified. I'm like, let's go. So, yeah, oh. I just want to apologize because he was sending these things. Then him and I would go get coffee. It was it was like so the, the, the people want to know, are you bringing gentle reminders back? That's that's the real Man. question, please. Or you, you, or you just start a podcast. You, you or just know, join uh, us. Right. Right. Exactly. Y'all, y'all got y'all got room for me on the ship. <laughs> um yeah I, I i started i started general reminders really it was really birthed out of this this desire to want to stay connected to people 
um, during mm. the pandemic when we were all locked at home. You know, we were all kind of going crazy for a few weeks there. I mean, we can only cook so many meals, do so many arts and crafts, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, pick up new hobbies and stuff. So we were just kind of all going a little stir crazy. And I just, you know, I was missing just being able to be around people. Um, and I said, well, let's leverage some technology and do that. So we were able to do general reminders for a full year and some change. It was, I, I, and this is coming from somebody who is a self-proclaimed uh, introvert. I don't <laughs> like being on anything. Um, <laughs> um, so it was definitely stretching for me to, to be in that, but um, I just wanted to be with people and share and encourage and maybe just, you know, reflect on some of the things that were happening dynamically. So the reason, and I never, you guys are getting an exclusive because I never addressed why I stopped general reminders. Um, uh, life started getting really hectic. We were kind of coming out of the isolation phase of the pandemic and we're going more into like being able to do limited activities. And it was just getting really, really hard to do this day after day after day. And I, I was I was talking to my wife and she says, you know, you, you can stop if you want to. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, can I? <laughs> Um, so I, I did stop with the intention of saying, you know what, um, I think we built something here that maybe we can pick up another day, another time, another space. So I, I, I am definitely not removing the possibility of bringing gentle reminders back on a different platform. Maybe uh -oh. it is a podcast. Uh -oh. Maybe it is something that, um, I'll make sure um, I find it myself. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll, I think, I don't know, uh, Instagram has done so many things since then. I don't even know if IGTV exists anymore, but I, right. I, they're all on my IGTV if you want to check them out. Um, but yeah, moving, moving forward, um, I've, I've been talking to my wife a lot about, you know, what does it look like to maybe uh, create, a, create that space again um, in a more sustainable method and a, a more sustainable uh, way. So uh, just, you know. Stay tuned. You know, you might see something soon. You heard it here first. Yeah. So, so one last question before we transition to our next segment: What would you say to a black Christian like me mm -hmm. uh, that wants to embrace the fullness of who he is, but is in a predominantly white church and and loves mm -hmm. the church? Sure, sure. I would, the, the questions or the things that I've been telling myself out of a lot of therapy and prayer and, and just uh, thinking a lot is, is, are you in love with yourself? And if you're not, fall deeply in love with yourself. Um, and uh, that means fall deeply in love with your insecurities fall in love with your weaknesses wow. fall in love with your vices um maybe not the vice itself but the fact that you're practicing it and why you're practicing it and not to shame it um just to embrace all of it because once you love yourself now that that becomes the basis of healing because mm -hmm. to me the best way to show up in spaces that are predominantly white are is for you to be as whole and holistic and more rooted in yourself than ever before that like 
a lot of times being in white spaces, it's calling for you to assimilate. It's calling for you to become what is comfortable to them. And, and a lot of times that means denying a large portion of who you are or who you want to be. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, until you love yourself, until you embrace yourself, it'll be really easy to give up those parts of yourself. But when you love yourself, when you're sure, when your identity is rooted in God and your likeness and you see your likeness and your image in him, when you start to see and recognize those things, when you sense that somebody is trying to pull you away from that, you say, "Uh uh-uh, I love me more. I love what God has created me to be more. I, I, I love the practice of being me more than what you're asking me to assimilate to Mm. because what you may be asking me to assimilate to may be a denial of something beautiful God has put inside of me and I don't ever want to deny any of those things so I think one of the biggest things that us black people can do that are rooted in or that are tethered to white spaces is to love yourself so unapologetically that you can without um a doubt or without any shame you can show up as yourself and not mm. feel like you're 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 too much or you're 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 being extra or you know all of these different things that people like to say sheesh <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> man well we are going to transition to our next segment and the next segment is called burr, 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 burr. Rapid fire. Rapid right. fire. So we have um a couple questions that we're gonna ask you. We want your first initial thought of the questions. Um Ooh, the first thing on, that comes bro. to mind. The pr- the pressure right. is on. I feel it. Hit him with the first one, Tom. Great. Uh what has been your inspiration or motivation lately? Music. Easy. Great. What what kind of music? Uh, making my own music. Oh, um, I, I I like to. Uh, it, it's it's cathartic. It's like it's uh, it's healing. You know, mm. getting something in you out of you, and then hearing it, even if it's not good, it's something that was inside of you that's now no longer inside of you, and it it, it feels great to be able to to hear that back. Wow, that sounds a lot like um, journaling, but like because I don't like to journal, but I do like to create music. So that's probably why it is journaling. Yeah, yeah. Because you are taking your thoughts, your emotions, and you're putting it into music form. Wow. What was the last movie you watched? Oh, we watched um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse oh. of Madness. Oh, oh wild. <laughs> Wow, I thought you were you gonna like say a, a kids movie. <laughs> nah, no, no, uh, you know what? I, that was the last movie we saw in the movie theaters. The last movie we saw, we had a movie night here at the church, and we watched Jumanji: The Next Level. Nice. Was wildly a mess. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart and The Rock. It <laughs> was not a good movie, <laughs> but you know, it was for the kids. No worries. Yeah. Right. Uh, what what is, is, yeah, go ahead, Tony. You got it. What is the most fulfilling part of being a pastor? 
watching people's lives change right in front of your eyes. Mm. Uh, that is easily mm. like as a pastor, you get a front row to seeing it happen in real time. And oftentimes I like to remind people because oftentimes you can't see your own growth. Yeah. Um, yes. So I like pointing it out in people like, like, remember a couple years ago, this was a problem. It ain't a problem today. Or remember you weren't so sure about yourself. Look at you being confident. Look at you being whole. Look at you being healed. It is wow. easily the most fulfilling part of being a pastor. That's so good. Yeah. Hey, well, we are so grateful that you hopped on our podcast today. Guys, you you got to hopefully you take notes. Hopefully you're going to go back and re-listen to this because <laughs> there are so many gems. Pastor Anthony is uh, very wise. Yes. And very, no, uh, he has a lot of gems that he, he dropped here. Um, but how, how can people, how can people find you in, in like, what are you, anything that they can look forward to? I wish I had some work to plug, man. I'd be like, oh, I'm writing this book. I got this. <laughs> I ain't got none of that. Um, if you want to find me, I am at Collective San Diego every Sunday. <laughs> um, uh, that's the name of the church I pastor. Um, you can hit me up on IG. Um, uh, I think it's underscore Anthony Bivens underscore. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I, I'm, you know, hit me up and I just love talking to people. I love connecting. So and, uh, last question is who you, who are you going for, for the finals NBA finals? Oh man. My, uh, my mind tells me that the Warriors will win in six or seven games. Uh, because they have home court advantage but something inside of me is pulling me saying the Celtics are going to find a way to pull this out in seven games I don't know why there's nothing that gives me any kind of historical context because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and them have never been on this level first year coach he's never been in the finals so nothing in me says that they should win the series except the little inkling down inside that says this might come down to a game Oh wow! All I know is they have a lot of work to do if they want to win. <laughs> it's it it is real, and I know Clay Thompson isn't what he used to be, but it is really hard to stop Golden State's firepower yeah. if they are all operating on yeah. all cylinders. And the emergence of Jordan Poole creates a really really problem. big problem yeah. for for them defensively. Because now there's two and a half, three guys that like can go nuclear at any time. Yeah, that's that's hard to stop. I, I'm I'm rooting for the Celtics, but I'm just like, y'all better get something together, man. <laughs> they gonna have to steal one of the first two games, and, and yes. uh, they 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 can't go, they can't go down 0-2. They have to split, um, and then let the chips fall where they may. We'll see what yeah. happens. Yep. Well, we, we will. We will sure find out. Pastor Eddie, thank you again for jumping on our podcast. Um, we're thankful. We're grateful for you, um, and we hope that you continue to be authentically you in everything that you do, everything that you say, and all the spaces that you're in. Thanks again, man. Thanks, I appreciate man. you guys. Thank you guys for the the opportunity. I feel honored to be a part of your guys' podcast, and that you guys are creating something wonderful here. Um, and I just appreciate that you guys are giving a space for people like yourselves and uh, like us 
to 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 just just be ourselves and to embrace all of that and what it means. So thank you guys for 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 creating this space for us. We need it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, come on. Um Pastor Anthony talked about a lot. What was what what are some things you're uh taking away? You know, when when he, he mentioned about, you know, kind of what white evangelicalism is and kind of how we as Christians, as as believers, how we can call it out and and how it is it is truly a, a culture so about you know calling that out and in a way that edifies people that edifies the church but i think what he what he hit mostly on was like wrestling with god to figure out who we are and who god has called us to be um and being authentically that in every aspect and then when we yeah. see things that are against that being like hey that's that's a little bit off and and I, that really connected with me um what about you what, what how do you think about it um so yeah that that idea of falling in love with yourself mm-hmm. um just was was really amazing to hear him say cuz it wasn't like fall in love with your good stuff it was also like fall in love with your flaws fall in love with your vices and like just see all that you are and embrace it and it really reminds me um when when Paul in the Bible talks about um that God said to him my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness um and I think that's really what Pastor Anthony was getting getting into when he was saying um, um, fall in love with your weakness so I love that Um, and hearing him uh, talk about how antithetical colorblind rhetoric is to the gospel was just like like I knew that but it was good I I felt seen by hearing him say that yeah um cause as you know I come up against that a lot here in Shippensburg yeah and for viewers who are watching see our color we want you to see us we want you to to acknowledge us absolutely um, and I think Pastor Christian or Pastor uh, Anthony hit it right on the money where um, he said it it edifies everybody. Everybody wins when you acknowledge our differences yeah. and when we can celebrate those differences. So I'm super grateful and thankful for him. And I'm excited um, that our viewers got a chance to, to yeah. tap in and to listen to, to him. Yeah, I'm excited for his upcoming podcast eventually called gentle reminders gentle reminders i can't wait and i I just can we talk about how you didn't send that to me you know as i was just like 
I failed you, Tony, as a friend. Did you did you even like think about hey Tony would love this? Or... <laughs> uh now, yeah. I have now. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Speaking of friends, you know what time it is, Tony? Um for me to probably pass the friendship quiz because I'm a better friend. So it's my turn to ask you a question. Yes. It's the friendship quiz, y'all. It's the friendship quiz where you guys get to see how close Tony and I are. So, Tony, my question is... I think you asked me a food question last time. I won't do that because... That's not fair. Um, my question is, what? What was my first car? That's not fair. We've been friends for a long time. True, but I wasn't your friend when you first got a car. So the. The car I remember you had was the Ford Explorer. That was definitely not your first car. I'm owning that, but that is the first car I remember. So it was a Ford Escape, Escape, Tony. But my first car actually was a Chevy Blazer. It was a green Chevy Blazer. Do you remember I had that? No. Some friend you are. <laughs> Because we were friends. <laughs> well, guys, hey, thank you so much for listening. I don't know what the score is for our friendship quiz, but as you can see, we are amazing <laughs> friends. Um, hey, if you like our podcast, please follow us, uh, like us, share us on your favorite podcasting app. Hey, give us a rating, like five-star ratings let us know how we're doing tell us what also what you want to hear what you want us to talk about next on our next coming podcast also check the show notes for any um links hopefully gentle reminders will be out and yeah until next time hey be authentic in everything you do next week you don't want to miss it we'll talk to you guys soon peace holla